Welcome to The Workman's Table, a podcast all about learning and understanding biblical truths with the Great Shepherd's guidance. Here's your host, Eric Carpenter. Hello, welcome once again to another edition of The Workman's Table podcast. Hope this uh, podcast again finds you well. We're happy that you have decided to join us today to listen um, and uh, just enjoy uh, Yahuwah's Word and get into it and study it and learn from it and apply it in our lives. Again, if you've got a question or a topic that you'd like to address on this show, feel free to email us at uh, theworkmanstable at hotmail.com. Once again, that's theworkmanstable at hotmail.com. We're going to go into a, um, a bit of an object lesson today. Um, this was an object lesson that Yahuwah had given to me uh, back when I was in college. Um, I can't remember if it was my uh, freshman or sophomore year. I was attending um, a Nazarene University not far from where I was uh, living at the time. And it was a lesson that I have never forgotten. Um, and I don't believe I'll ever forget it. Uh, it was very uh, poignant, very profound, um, made a lasting impression on my mind. So whenever Yahuwah impresses something upon your heart and mind, it, it doesn't leave, uh, and for good reason. Uh, a lot of times he has a good reason for uh, the lessons that he, he uh, brings to us. Uh, the the scripture that I'm going to be pulling from comes from uh, Numbers 16 and number 17. Uh, I'm going to read through some of 16 just to set up what really uh, I want to talk about, which is uh, number 17. But number 16 is what sets up what happens in Numbers 17. Uh, it's a situation where uh, a man named uh, Korah and um, another man named Dathan and Abiram, uh, the sons of Eliab, um, were approaching Moses and basically were saying, you take too much upon yourselves. I'm in number 16, uh, verse 3 here. Um, they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and Yahuwah is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of Yahuwah? So what they were basically saying is, is why do you get to partake of everything? Why do you get to converse with Yahuwah? Why are you the leader and not us? Um, there's more of us here that could, that could uh, fulfill this responsibility, not just you and Aaron. And so the story goes on, or the account goes on, that this upset Yahuwah very greatly. So that by the next day when they met Yahuwah at the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, if you go down to verse 25, um, no, we back up um, to verse 20. And Yahuwah spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces and said, O Elohim, the Elohim of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? So Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, speak to the congregation saying, get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan and Abiram. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the tent door of their tents, 
with their wives, their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, By this you shall know that Yahuwah has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them on my own free will. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they visited, if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then Yahuwah has not sent me. But if Yahuwah creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected Yahuwah. Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking all these words, that the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with all their households and all the men of Korah, with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit, the earth closed over them, and they perished from among the assembly. And all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, Lest earth swallow us up also. Lest the earth swallow us up also. And a fire came out from Yahuwah and consumed the 250 men who were also offering incense. And that's covered a little bit earlier, and I didn't go into that. I just covered uh, those three men, and then they had gathered 250 men to, to complain against Yahuwah, actually. So then Yahuwah... Uh, spoke to Moses, saying, Tell Eliezer, the son of Aaron the priest, to pick up the censers out of the blaze, for they are holy, and scatter the fire some distance away. The censers of these men who sinned against their own souls, let them be made into hammered plates as a covering for the offering, because they presented them before Yahuwah, therefore they are therefore they are holy, and they shall be a sign to the children of Israel. So Eliezer the priest took the bronze censers, which those who were burned up had presented, and they were hammered out as a covering on the altar to be a memorial to the children of Israel that no outsider who is not a descendant of Aaron shall come near to offer incense before Yahuwah, that he might not become like Korah and his companions, just as Yahuwah had said to him through Moses. On the next day, now just mind you, the nation of Israel just witnessed 250 men uh, taking up uh, uh, complaints against Moses and Aaron along with Dathan, Abiram, and Korah. Those three men led the 250 other men, you know, saying, why do you get to do all these things? Why do you get to intercede? Why is the responsibility yours? I mean, you have exalted yourself. And they were being jealous and complaining that uh, Moses and Aaron apparently were getting all the glory. That's what they were thinking in their minds. And so they said, well, we want to be like you and we want to do these things as well. And I don't think they understood. Obviously, they didn't understand it. The, the king, King Yahuwah, chose Moses and Aaron. It wasn't something that Moses and Aaron said, yeah, we just willingly did it. They were commanded by Yahuwah to do what they were doing. So that's where they erred. You know, they were thinking that, you know, Moses and Aaron were trying to exalt themselves when they were simply obeying and being obedient to Yahuwah's command. So that just took place. Okay, so they see those, those three families destroyed it. And the earth swallowed them up, along with their children and their wives, those three men. And then the 250 men they were offering incense, um, you know, by Moses' command, because he told them, go ahead and offer incense if you think you can do this. They got destroyed by Yahuwah as well. And so the next day, the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, you have killed the people of Yahuwah. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they had turned toward the tabernacle meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of Yahuwah appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle meeting and Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, Get away from this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. 
So Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer and put fire in it from the altar. Put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them, for wrath has gone out from Yahuwah. The plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700 besides those who died in the Korah incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, for the plague had stopped. So mind you, they just saw 250 men plus the three families that were swallowed up by the earth for their um, complaining against Yahuwah the day before. And then they're going to turn around and complain and say, you killed those people. I mean, Moses spoke to the congregation before all the people that if it was of me they'll just die as is common to man but if Yahuwah chose us and this is Yahuwah's doing the earth will swallow them up and so they see that and they still are going to complain against Moses and Aaron that they did this not realizing folks are you you're not even paying attention to Yahuwah the king he's right here in your presence and you're not even seeing him don't you understand? He just destroyed these men, and unfortunately now you have brought destruction upon yourselves again by being disrespectful to the throne, to his kingdom, to his authority, to his majesty. And 14,700 people died because of that. And it would have continued if uh, Moses hadn't told Aaron to put incense uh, on, on an altar or take a, a censer and, and stand out there and put in and, and, and stand between the living and the dead. So anyhow, we go to number 17 and there's a unique situation that occurs and I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's not very long. It's only 13 verses. So we got the situation. We, we have the scenario that sets up what occurs in verse or in number seven, chapter 17. And so Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and get from them a rod from each father's house, all their leaders according to their father's houses, twelve rods. Write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel which they make against you. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece. For each leader, according to their father's houses, twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before Yahuwah in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron the house of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the rods from before Yahuwah to all the children of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his rod. And Yahuwah said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony, to be kept as a sign against the rebels, that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Thus did Moses, just as Yahuwah commanded him, so he did. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses, saying, Surely we die, we perish, we all perish. Whoever even comes close or comes near the tabernacle of Yahuwah must die. Shall we all utterly die? So you see 
the type of anger that he exhibits when there's grumbling and complaining. This account was brought to my attention when I had attended the uh, university, the Nazarene University, not far from where I was raised. There was a situation one day. Um, I don't remember what day it was. I just remember that I used to work in the cafeteria uh, for the work-study program. So I would get paid to help pay for my uh, tuition. So I worked in the cafeteria as part of work-study. It's a, it's a federal program where you can get reimbursed uh, for working, uh, and it helps goes towards your tuition. So anyhow, um, since I worked in the cafeteria, I do remember, I think it was uh, a day where we had um, what's called chapel, and chapel was on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings that we, it was mandatory that we attended. And so chapel usually didn't get done until about 1130 or so, and those that worked in the cafeteria could leave at 11 or maybe uh, a few minutes before 11 to go eat and, um, you know, so that we can get ready to work our shift for everybody that comes after chapel to eat lunch, the whole uh, campus. So I left, and as a part of uh, a, a privilege that any of the sports teams had, they were allowed to eat first if they happened to have a game that afternoon where they needed to eat and then get on the road or eat and then go over to the field to play their game. So it was the soccer team that uh, happened to come in a little after 11 before everybody else was let out of chapel to eat their meal first before everyone else because they had a game that day. And I remember I was in the cafeteria um, area itself where all the tables and chairs were. I don't remember what I was doing. But I remember that the soccer team came in. There was probably a good 15, 20 uh, men that came in, and I'm sure the coach and everybody else was with them. I didn't see everybody because they were kind of off in an, a, the, the entry room where the, the entree lines were, where you had uh, two separate entree lines right after you would pay or give your ticket. Uh, your meal ticket to eat, you go through the main entree, entree line before you entered into the cafeteria to get other things that you wanted. So anyhow, the soccer team, you know, came in and they were getting their entrees. And I happened to hear them. They were kind of being loud. And there was one particular fella. I didn't exactly see who it was. I couldn't see because it was kind of around the corner. But I could hear him playing his day. So one of the, the soccer players just happens to yell out, well, before I tell you what he said, I understand that the cafeteria food is not the best. Um, it's not gourmet food, but it certainly isn't nasty food. I've tasted worse food than, you know, the cafeteria food at the, at the college. I, I, to me personally, I thought it was pretty good food, and I knew the people. I worked with the people that made the food since I worked in the cafeteria itself. So I knew the work and the preparation that was uh, made for each of the meals. And they tried to do a pretty good job to mix it up and, and not serve, you know, the same things all the time. And so they did their best, they did the best they could. And then for, for far as I was concerned, it was pretty good food. So, again, I'm not saying it was great food, but it wasn't terrible food. And so with that in mind, you know, I know all the preparation that, that it took to make the meals. And this one particular player, he just yells out. And there was a few of us workers in the actual um, cafeteria eating our meal real quick you know, while they were getting theirs. So we had to eat before the, the shift started for us. And this one soccer player yells out, 
man, this food stinks. Just yells it right out. I mean, everybody in that area. I mean, clear across, and the cafeteria is a pretty big room, very large room. He could be heard from one end to the other. And I just remember him saying that. And as soon as he said that, I became just enraged to the point where I had actually clenched my fists. And I was ready, in my mind, I was ready to go around the corner to whoever said it and smack them or knock them out with a good punch. I was ready to knock the dude out. No joke. Because I'm like, I knew what it took to, to prepare this meal. And I know everybody who worked hard to, to do that. Work was actually uh, completed. And hard effort was actually put forth to put those meals in there. It's not an easy task to get this stuff done every day on time. It takes dedicated people to get it done. And he had the gall to say that. It made me very angry. But I remember thinking okay as soon as i as soon as i heard him i clenched my fist and i in my mind i wanted to go over and punch him out knock him out and the holy spirit all of a sudden got a hold of me and i can still remember this day it was as it's as plain as i'm talking to you he says now you understand how upset i am when anyone complains against me and I'm not sure if I had already been familiar with number 16 and 17, especially 17 with the budding of Aaron's rod, or if later on that day or that week he, he, he brought me to that, the, that scripture to, to, to explain and show me how upset he gets with complaining. And he stopped me dead in my trucks. Now, this guy that spoke what he did and said what he did, I didn't see him. He didn't see me. And I'm sure he obviously didn't know that I was ready to knock him out and how mad I was at what he'd said. But the Holy Spirit got a hold of me instead of him because of the attitude that I had. Okay, he stopped me from, from, from doing something real stupid. But he took the opportunity to teach me. That, angry, that anger that you feel, that's exactly how I feel when you complain against me and you grumble and bring up uh, things like that to me. And it stopped me. And I said, he basically said, I don't want you complaining. I don't want you grumbling toward, to me. And it was just like from that moment forward, he says, I want you to make sure that you make it a point that you don't grumble and complain. Not only to me, but to your wife and to others around you. And I never forgot that lesson. I haven't forgot that lesson to this day to the point where I, I, I've, there's been a couple times where I've, I've screwed up, but largely I have uh, not complained about the meals that my wife fixes or the work that she does around the house or whatever. Or if I'm at someone's house, I, do, I try not to say anything bad about the meal. Um, you know, and I was still residing at home at the time, so I was still partaking of my mom's cooking since I was going to school but commuting from home. And so, but that lesson just stuck with me. And I realized the anger that I felt was the anger that the father felt when uh, 
the Israelites brought their grumblings and complainings, their complaints against them. And he says, I want this rod of Aaron that I've caused to bud. I want it put before the testimony. Okay. Bring it back to the tabernacle of witness. Okay. And that it may be a remembrance as a sign against the rebels that they may put their complaints away from me lest they die. That's how angry he was. So angry that he killed almost 15,000 people in two days. And that if it hadn't have been for Aaron standing between the living and the dead with the incense on a censer, more would have died. And so let's just remember that he's a holy and righteous Elohim. And that he gave this this whole world to experience and live in. He's given us the birds of the air, the cattle of the field, the fruits of the trees, the grains of the field, all this stuff for us to eat. And it says in his word also that the rain that his rain falls, he causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And that to complain to him upsets him greatly. And so I've made it a point not to do so, and hopefully you can take this same lesson and apply it in your life, and hopefully it'll uh, encourage you to go, hmm, you know, that meal that I just had, let's think about the preparation that w- went into it versus the output or the result of it. Every meal is not going to taste great. Every meal may not even taste good. But if someone put forth effort and it, it was a labor of love to prepare that meal for you, so that you may eat, or whoever worked that job, so that you have clothes on your back and a roof over your head if you have a dad that does so. But all this comes from the Heavenly Father. He's the one that provides your clothes on your back, the roof over your head, shoes on your feet, maybe even a few toys to play with. Don't complain. And what Paul wrote, I've learned that whatever state I am, therewith to be content. Be content with what you have. Just remember those things. It's, an, it's a lesson that I've never forgot and I never will forget as long as I live. So until next time, study to show thyself approved. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of The Workman's Table.